Jesus loves me. If you believe it, sing. Jesus loves me. Jesus. I know, I know he loves me. I know he loves me. Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. Jesus. I know, I know he loves me. Thank you for loving me. Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. I know he loves me. Jesus loves me. Hallelujah. If you believe that he has an overwhelming, reckless love for you, come on and just glorify his holy name. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, God, we thank you for your glory. Hallelujah. Glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, bless the name of the Lord. Father, we just thank you for your unfailing love for us. Thank you, Father, that you are the same God yesterday, today, and forevermore. So we know that your love hasn't changed for us, and there's nothing that we can do to make you love us less, God.
grateful for his love. Just lift your hands and just worship him. Hallelujah. We thank you, Father, for your presence. There's no shadow you won't light up, mountain you won't climb up, coming after me. There's no wall you won't kick down, lie you won't tear down, coming after me. There's no shadow you won't light up, mountain you won't climb up, coming after me. There's no wall you won't kick down, lie you won't tear down, coming after me. There's no shadow you won't light up, mountain you won't climb up, coming after me. There's no wall you won't kick down. No shiny you won't light up. Mountain you won't climb up. No walls you won't kick down. Lie you won't tear down. Coming after me. Holy overwhelming, never ending, reckless love of God. Oh, it chases. Couldn't earn it. 
I don't deserve it. Still, you gave yourself away. Oh, the overwhelming, never ending, reckless love of to take place in a process that has to happen. So change happens and change takes place, but it happens by way of the Holy Spirit. Amen? By way of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. So the question is, is are you allowing the Holy Spirit to change you? Because he changes you first in your spirit. Amen? Amen. When a person is Amen. saved, that's the first place that they're changed. Now, it's important to understand that it is grace that changes us. That's right. Amen? Amen. 
Grace changes us, and then the Holy Spirit changes us in our soul. Go with me real quick to Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. Let me show you this breakdown. Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. And now we're going to look at that in the King James first. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9. We're just doing a quick little recap. The last thing I want anyone doing is trying to change before the, uh, I mean, as the new year starts and just trying to start with physical things and not taking care of what's happening spiritually first. Amen. Amen. Because no change can take place uh, in your body without first it taking place in your spirit and then in your mind. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says in the King James, for by grace, are ye saved? Now, how many of you guys know when I'm saved, uh, that means that that spirit man is no longer like it was. I am born again. I'm no longer a sinner. I am now saved. Somebody say saved. saved. So that means I'm changed, doesn't it? Yes. Uh, I'm not the same as I was before. Now I'm saved. Very simply put, now I'm changed. If there's anybody out there who is saying, I want to be different than I was before, I don't like who I am, I don't want to go to hell, I don't want to be uh, 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 addicted, I don't want to be broken, I don't want to have loss, uh, depression, and all these things as my reward in life, then the first thing I would suggest that you do is change. But you can't do that change. That's a change that only comes by Jesus. That's only, uh, only a change that comes by grace. And that's what it's talking about here. For by grace are you saved through faith. So grace has already made or taken care of your salvation. But the only way to, for you to receive it is by faith. Yeah. The question is, is, do you believe what Jesus did? Do you believe that God granted you this, not because you can earn it or deserve it, but simply because he loved you? If you believe it and receive it, then you can take your salvation. Amen. Just like this phone is sitting here on this, on this uh, table here, it's a phone and it's available, but unless I reach out and receive it because I believe it's mine, I will not have it. Amen. Salvation is available for everyone. The Amplified says, for it is by free grace. For it is by free grace. It didn't cost you anything, but it cost Jesus everything. It cost him his life. It cost God his only son. But he was more than willing. They were both more than willing to pay the price because of love. And not just any type of love. This was unconditional love. Because of man's failure, because of man's choice to sin... We changed from what God originally intended us to be. I mean, guys, know that that's what happened with Adam and uh, Eve in the garden. We were one way and then we changed into something else. But because he loved us so much, he gave us a way to change yet again back to what he originally intended. And Jesus, also known as grace, became that agent of change. And it's amazing that even though we're the ones who messed it up, he gave us a way to change back for free. How many of you guys know that's not how it works in the world today? If you mess something up, you got to pay for it. You break it, you what? You buy it. <laughs> if you mess it up, you got to pay the price. But thank God he doesn't operate by the world system where we break it, we buy it. He's a loving parent. 
And just like your mama did when you were in JCPenney's or your daddy did when you were in Sears, if you broke that plate, guess what? They paid the price. Now, you might have got your butt whipped when you got home, but, but they paid, he paid the price with no punishment for us. In this natural world, we pay a price, and there's often punishment or there's pain that comes behind it. But he, but he literally said, listen, I'm going to pay the price, and there will be no suffering for you. We broke it. We broke his, his will for our lives. We, we broke the glory of God being upon our lives. We messed it up, and they turned around and said, we love you so much that we're going to fix this for you. The, the one scripture says, he uh, reconciled us uh, by himself unto himself or unto himself by himself. He said, I'm going to fix this for you and leave you out of the process, as a matter of fact. Because with your sinful selves, you may mess it up all over again. Somebody say, I'm saved. I'm saved. It says, for it is by free grace, God's unmerited favor, that you are saved. You are delivered from judgment. You were not before, but that's changed. You are made partakers of not your salvation, but of Christ's salvation. Now, just to take a real quick caveat there real quick, and I think I can do this because we've spent a lot of time talking about we are joint heirs with Christ. And I said uh, last week and the week before that because I'm a joint heir with Christ, uh, Christ receives no more of the promise or no more of the blessing than I do. I don't receive less than him as a joint heir. I have what he has. This is also true in this very scripture. Christ earned salvation or Jesus earned salvation. And as a result, he was made again the opportunity for me to be saved. Christ literally did all the work. He lived the perfect life if I can make it real plain he fulfilled the law so therefore he earned salvation and as a result me now if I believe in what he did and receive what he did I get all the salvation just like he does why because I'm a joint heir now I didn't earn it as the song says I don't deserve it but because of his overwhelming never ending precious love I got it so I made partakers of Christ's salvation that's why I'm thankful to him because he shared his with me but I have all of this now here's the big deal through faith somebody say faith, faith. now Christ did it all grace did it all Jesus did it all but if I don't believe it I won't receive it if I don't believe that, I won't receive it. There are many things that cause people not to believe, and those things are what affects a person's change. Faith is required at each level of change. Faith is required at your spiritual level of change. Faith is required at your soul level of change, and faith is required at your uh, physical level of change. If you stop believing anywhere in the process, you will become stunted in that level. And there are many believers who, unfortunately, that, that kind of lose faith, for lack of a better word, or stop believing along the way. Many Christians believe enough to say, I believe in Jesus, and I know it was because of him that I'm saved. And so they'll, they'll be saved, they'll go to heaven, but man, 
it'll be their lives are hell on earth. They're tormented with depression. They're tormented with disease. They're, they're tormented with different with poverty and sickness and all these different things going on. Why? Because they believe he's their savior, but they don't believe he's their healer. They believe he's their savior, but they don't believe he's their deliverer. So addiction and different things still lay hold to their lives, not because God doesn't love them and not because God is mad at them, but it is simply because they lack something so important, which is faith. Faith is required to see true change at every level in our lives. If I don't have that confidence, what is faith? This confidence in God. To such a point that I respond to what the word says about me. My faith is my corresponding action because I am confident in what God says. When you are confident in what God says, you respond. When you are confident in what God says, you respond. That's called faith. Think about it in your natural life. If they told you, they're doing a direct deposit in your account of $10,000 for a Christmas bonus and you're confident in what they said, what are you going to do? I'm going to draw it out. I'm going to go shopping. I'm going to do something. I'm going to have a corresponding action to what I believe. That's called faith. Now, if I have no faith in that employer, if their checks are always bouncing, <laughs> if the last time they said it was going to happen, it didn't happen, then I have no faith in what they say. So therefore, I don't do nothing. If anything, I sit there and I kind of doubt. And that's what happens in a lot of believers' lives is it's not because we don't love God, but, well, sorry, it's not because uh, the word doesn't say it, but it's do we really believe? Do we really believe? Now, can, I, can, I, can we just be really honest? There are many believers just sitting waiting on God because, honestly speaking, they're kind of upset with them. Because they're like, I didn't see it happen yet. When is my breakthrough going to come? When is my healing going to come? It didn't work for my mama. It didn't work for my daddy. It didn't work for my auntie. It didn't work for my grandma. It didn't work for sister so-and-so in church. So how do I know it's going to work for me? Here's something I would say to that. You got to stop looking at what everybody else is doing and determine whether you believe or not. You're not at home with sister so-and-so. You weren't in a hospital with brother so-and-so when they went home to be with the world. You, you don't know what everybody's truly believing. The question is, is where is your faith at? That's what we got to, we got to, if, if we want to see the manifestation of grace in every area of our lives and we want to really experience change, we got to start being honest with, do I have faith? Or am I trying to look at what's happening in somebody else's life and trying to take faith off of evidence from them instead of letting God's word be enough? I can't look at Sister Dorothy's life and say, well, when she has it, then I'll believe it. I can't look at Sister Shirley's life and say, well, when it happens for her, then I'll believe it can happen for me. No, God's word has to be enough. It's faith in his word, not faith in their evidence. 
And that's what the body of Christ does. We, and, and, and unfortunately, we've, uh, bad preaching has set it up that way. Where we've worshipped pastors and worshipped leaders and we've looked at the, the, what we thought was the glory upon their life because of the manifestation with the cars and the houses and the, and the clothes and the money and the this, that, and the other. And we've had faith in what God has done for them and not faith in what God's word says for all of us. So when it doesn't happen in our lives, we still continue to look at them and say, well, it's working for them. One day it's going to work for me instead of saying it's working for me right now. Because that's what the word says. Somebody say, where's your faith? Where's your faith? So for, for change to take place, I got to have faith. It says it's, this is through your faith. And this salvation is not of yourselves. It's not of your own doing. It came not by your own striving, but it is the gift of God. I mean, that right there is telling you, stop looking at everybody else. Stop looking at everything else. Don't even look at yourself. So it's not by your striving. So if it's not by my striving, then that means don't look at me for your faith. Who do you look at? Who's the author and finisher of your faith? Looking unto Jesus the author and finisher of my faith. What does that mean? Looking unto grace, looking unto the truth, looking unto the light, looking unto the life, looking unto the word for what I should have confidence in. I look unto him. I keep my eyes on him. My confidence is in him because man will fail you. Circumstances show enough going to fail you. How you feel will fail you. But he said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. He said, I will always be here. And he will always be the foundation of your feet, under your feet as you're walking in faith. Life may feel unstable. Things may feel like they're about to fall apart. You, I don't know about you, but sometimes you feel like you're walking just on water. Sometimes the water don't even feel safe. In it. You feel like you're walking on air. At least water, you can feel it a little bit. But he said, I'll be the foundation under your feet when you're walking in faith. Verse 9 says, this is not of works, sorry, uh, not because of works, not the fulfillment of the law's demands. See, you have to understand all the, sh all the sh uh, how can I say it, Lord? All the things in life that are different shades of the law. Practically speaking, when you look at somebody else's life and what is happening in their life, that's a shade of the law. You're looking at what did they do to get that. And if I do what they are doing, I'll get what they have. That's still the if and then. That's still the quid pro quo. That's still the condition. Oh, if I, if I do what they do, then I'll have what they have. No, that, that's a law-based mentality. Oh, if I, if I give this, then I'll get that. No, anytime you're trying to build faith by watching what somebody else is doing or has done, that is a law-based mentality. Faith is real simple. God said it. I believe it. That settles it. I got it. It's done. Faith doesn't look at what everybody else is doing. Faith is the substance of things hoped for or expected why do I expect it? Because God said it. And it's the evidence of things that I can't see. 
So by definition, if I can look at somebody else's life and think I can get it because they got it, that's not walking in faith. Now, don't get me wrong. God is not a respecter of persons. And I sometimes can say, if he did it for them, if he did it, see the difference? If he did it for them, then he will do it for me. Not because I got to do something. I'm just looking at their life saying he did it for them, so I believe he'll do it for me. Now, I'm not adding anything to that. He did it for them, so he'll do it for me if I do this. No, 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 no. I'm just looking at the fact that I'm a joint heir just like they're a joint heir. I'm a believer like they're a believer. So it's not that I can't look at their life and say, well, praise God, he did it for them, so I know he's going to do that for me. He healed them, so I know he's going to heal me. He increased them. He promoted them. So I know he's going to do it for me. That's okay. But to say, I got to do what they did yeah, that's to get what he gave them, that's slipping over into that shade of the law. Yeah. Base mentality that says, I got to do something to get something. The bottom line is grace gave it all to you. When did grace do that? When you were saved. When your spirit was born again, you received the blessings of God into your life. That's the part of the salvation package. If you understand that, say amen. amen. So once my spirit was saved, once I changed from that place to the place I am now, the thing I have to understand is, is my eternal life was changed. Before my eternal life was going to end up where? In hell and also experience hell on earth. I was under the curse. Now I'm under the blessing. Thank God I'm changed. Go with me real quick to Romans 8. Uh, we're going to stick in the Amplified real quick. Romans 8 verse 3. Romans 8 3. So what is a primary requirement outside of grace if I'm going to change. Just a real quick quiz over what we just said. I need, starts with an F. Faith. Yeah, I need faith. I need faith. Grace is enough to provide the change, but for me to see that change in my life, I have to appropriate my faith. Amen. Like I said, that's why I think a lot of believers get stuck right there. Are you in Romans? Romans 8, verse 3, it says, For God has done, for God has done what the law could not do. He didn't say he was doing it. He didn't say he was going to do it. For by grace are you saved. The moment you're saved, you have now received all that God has already done. This is a finished work. Amen? So understand, when it comes to your spirit being changed, or that first level of change, once you're saved, it's done. You've received the package. That was the last step in that process. He already did his part. But the last step in that process of change was for you to receive what he did. We're just looking at what did he do. For God has done, here's what he did, what the law could not do. Its power was weakened or being weakened by the flesh, the entire nature of man without the Holy Spirit. That's the flesh. 
He sent his own son, or sending his own son in the guise. You know what a guise is? In the guise of sinful flesh and as an offering of sin. That word guise looks like it comes from that word disguise. Sounds familiar? And what that word guise actually means is a form, or sorry, an external form, or an appearance, or a manner of presentation. Now, here's the part I really like of this definition. Typically concealing the true nature of something. A guise conceals the true nature of something. God sent Jesus looking like a man, but he was really God. God in the flesh came down in a disguise. In a different form, but the real him was on the inside. Why? He needed him to look like sinful flesh because that's what had to be offered for our sin. But how many guys know that Jesus never knew any sin? So he looked like sinful flesh, but he didn't have the seed of man on the inside of him. And therefore he knew, no, and, he, and he did what f completely fulfilled the law because he could, and we couldn't. And as a result, he became an offering. One scripture says the perfect sacrifice for our sins. God condemned sin in the flesh. God subdued sin. He overcame sin. He deprived sin of its power over all who, there it is, accept the sacrifice. That's your faith. That's your faith in action right there. When I believe it, I accept it. When I believe it, I receive it. When I have faith, I accept it. Are you willing to accept your change? I want to change in 2020. Accept it. Accept it. Accept it is done. Accept it is finished. Because your spirit is saved. Verse 4 says, so that the righteous and just requirement of the law might be fully met. God doesn't have to do anything. Might be fully met in us who live and move, not in the ways of the flesh. Now, he just defined earlier what that said, what that meant as far as moving in the flesh. Go back real quick to the top of uh, verse 3. It says, being weakened by the flesh, and in brackets, it says the entire nature of man without who? Without the Holy Spirit. Without the Holy Spirit. Go back down to verse 4. So that the righteous and just requirement of the law might be fully met in us who live and move, not in the ways of the flesh. What's the ways of the flesh? That's the nature of man without the Holy Spirit. So if I want to not be in the flesh, I need to move with who? The Holy Spirit. I need to listen to who? The Holy Spirit. I need to follow and flow with who? The Holy Spirit. If I don't follow him, if I don't flow with him, if I don't let him be the leader of my life, I will be in the flesh with my saved self. See, now we're transitioning from this spirit change into the second phase of change, which is the soul change. 
Because I have to choose to follow the Holy Spirit. And, and this is where many people get stuck. They, they get saved and then they begin to declare, I'm delivered, I'm healed, I'm set free, I'm prosperous. While all that is true because salvation has provided it all. We just saw that. It's a finished work, right? But it hadn't manifested yet in a lot of people's lives. Why? Because they're operating in the flesh. As if they're still under sin. And they're trapped. They're caught right there in this, how can I say, this deceptive, false trap that says you're still under sin because they're still sinning. But they're still sinning. Why? Because they're in the flesh. Which means what? They're not following the Holy Spirit. So if they would just follow the Holy Spirit, they wouldn't be trapped in sin. Flesh, in this sense, means carnal, which means I'm operating by my senses. How I, uh, what, I, what I see, touch, you know, uh, smell, feel, and everything like that. Those things are dictating my reality, and I'm responding to that. And that's how many people in the world operate today. I'm hungry. I'm going to eat what I want to eat, and I'm going to eat as much of it. Or I heard her say this about me, so I'm going to say this back to them. I'm not following the Holy Spirit. He's not the one telling me what to do, what to say, where to go, or anything like that. Either I'm going by how I feel, or I'm maybe going by the words of others, but he's definitely not leading the way. And practically speaking, when that happens, you will always find yourself not where he wants you to be. I mean, think about it. I mean, this is real practical. I mean, uh, let's just take me and Dorothy. I, you know, uh, if I tell you I want you to go uh, up the street around the corner and down 288, you're going in the direction I want you to go. But if Dorothy says, hey, no, I want you to go the other way and uh, take, to, take a right and find your way to 45, very simply put, I said go this way. She's saying go that way. You're not going to be where I said. Now, I'm going to send you a way that I know is free of traffic. I'm going to send you a way where it's all the stuff you need along the way. She's going to just send you another way. And we make it really complicated. We're back to faith. Who do you believe? Who do you trust? If I say I trust God, the Holy Spirit is his voice. I just simply have to determine if I want to change in my mind. I just simply have to determine his way is the right way. His way is the best way. Somebody say, how do I change my mind? Make up your mind that the Holy Spirit's way is the right way. And then challenge yourself. Make up your mind, number one. Number two, challenge yourself every single day to determine, is this decision that one that came from the Holy Spirit or one that's coming from me? Did he tell me to do this? Somebody said, well, I don't know. I, I, I can't hear his voice. Yes, you can. Stop, stop confessing that. God's not trying to hide from you. I've heard messages preached like, like, like that, you know, we got to seek God and, and he's, he's hiding himself away from us. 
God is not playing hide and seek with you. He lives big on the inside of you. And he wants you to know the way. If you understand that or agree with that, say amen. amen. It says, so that the righteousness of requirement of law might be fully met in us who live and move not in the ways of the flesh, but in the ways of the spirit, our lives governed not by the standards and according to the dictate of the flesh, but controlled, a life controlled by the Holy Spirit. What does it mean to have control? You tell me. <laughs> Authority. What else? Power. When, when, when something's under your control, it goes the way you want it to go, and that's it. I play a lot of video games. I love video games, and don't judge me. I don't care if you did anyway. <laughs> but if I'm playing a game, and I have the controller... Wherever I tell that man or that car or that vehicle to go, that's where it goes. Right. How many of you guys know that if I'm playing a game and that thing starts going, that, the, the little man on the screen starts going in the other direction, my controller's broke. Yeah. That's a problem. That should never happen. Yeah. I take that controller back, <laughs> give me a new one. And if it keeps happening, something's wrong with that game. I mean, it's real simple. When the Holy Spirit has control over our lives, we go where he says go. We do what he says do. We say whatever he says say. Now, what is he going to tell me to do? What is he going to tell me to say? It's all going to be lined up with this word. Holy Spirit's not going to tell me to cuss nobody out. Why? That's sin. Holy Spirit's not going to tell me to knock somebody out. Why? Because that's it. Holy Spirit's not going to tell me to eat every and anything I possibly can until I feel better. Why? Because that's it. And, 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 I, and I, I want to be careful. I don't want you just to hear condition, condition, condition. Why is he not going to tell me to sin? Because God has already overcome sin. We just read that in the verse before. Sin has no more dominion. Sin has no more power. Sin is bad. So the Holy Spirit is never going to lead me to back under something that God has already given me the power to overcome. Amen. The ability to overcome sin is in the obedience to the Holy Spirit. Grace has already given me the victory, but how do I maintain my victory over sin? I listen to the Holy Ghost, and he will cause me to stay away from the sinful action. I hope you're saying that. I'm going to say it a few more times. Because if I don't listen to him, then I'll be right back into the sin that I already have dominion over. But the Holy Spirit will say, here's how we avoid that. Let, let me make it real practical and plain. Um, Let's say you had a problem fornicating or whatever like that. Fornicating, you know, and, 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 and you don't have to do that no more, amen? amen? Why? Because God has already given you power over that. It's been defeated. Now, your power in not doing that act is in listening to the Holy Spirit. That's how the power, that's how you'll see it. So you say, ooh, I think I want to do that. Holy Spirit, help me. 
He'll say, don't even go over there. Don't even watch that. Don't even whatever. He'll, he'll yeah. give you some specific things to help you avoid that track. If you obey, you stay away. I'll say that again. Sound like Jesse. <laughs> if you obey, you stay away. <laughs> but literally, if you obey, you stay away. And, and, but, but if you don't obey, you will fall right into that thing over and over and over again. Now, God still loves you. Your lack of doing what the Holy Spirit says doesn't cause God not to love you. It doesn't cause God not, his forgiveness not to be there. But the thing is, is you got to make up your mind to trust and follow the Holy Ghost. I hope I'm not making this too practical in play. But that second level of change, which is the change in your soul or in your mind, it comes by way of what this scripture says right here. I allow the Holy Spirit to govern and control my life. My standards in life are not set to how I feel. They're not set to what I think. They're set to what does he say. They're not set to what mama say. They're not set to what anybody else says. It's Holy Spirit. What do you say? Because if I do what you say, I'll stay out of that sin. My life, my mind will be changed. And I hope you see how that flows right into the behavior or the third level of change, which is your actions and behavior. When I make up my mind that I'm now going to have his standards, I'm going to think the way he thinks. My attitude is going to be set the way he tells me. Then I do the right stuff. And that's in every, every life. I'm going to save in 2020. I'm going to sow in 2020. All right, follow the Holy Spirit. That all, that all sounds wonderful, doesn't it? Yeah. Sounds like good goals and things that are set from him. I heard in prayer we were praying and we were talking about clarity for 2020, which that is going to be the year of clarity. And I believe also it's going to be a year, because you're clear, a year of progression. Yeah. That's what he showed me the other day. He said it is a year of clarity so you can progress. Because when you can see, you can go. <laughs> and a lot of people ain't going nowhere because they can't see nothing. I can't hear them. I can't see him, so we just freeze and stand still. He said, no, 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 no. You're going to see and you're going to go. And the Holy Spirit will lead the way. Amen. If you understand that, say amen. amen. Let's do get a little deeper into this. Go with me to uh, Romans 12, uh, 1 and 2. Romans 12, 1 and 2. So... Uh, if I'm going to change, it requires faith. But the change that takes place in my life after I'm saved, grace saves me. But now it's the Holy Spirit who is responsible for changing me. Romans 12, uh, 1 and 2. We'll stick to the um, amplifier for right now. It says, I appeal to you, therefore, brethren. And beg you in view of all the mercies of God to make a decisive dedication of your bodies. Now, we just learned that my body's going to follow however I'm thinking. Yes. 
And if I line my thinking up with the Holy Spirit, my body will line up with actions that are in line with the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. Presenting all your members and faculties as a spiritual worship. Understand this, that everything that you do with your body is worship. Now, you're either worshiping God or somebody else, but I, I'm not going to get into that right now. <laughs> Seriously, but everything you do with your body, it's in, it's in obedience and accordance with his will, and it is worshiping him. You are honoring him with your body. That's what that scripture means. Worship God with your body. When you sing, when you raise your hands, when you sow, when you serve, he says, present your body, present your body, present your body. It's the third level of change. He's saying, present your body, which means it wasn't there before, now it is. Change where you were, change how you were. Now be here, you used to be there. Now we all know that God's not placing all of that responsibility on us because why? We messed it up before. <laughs> so here's God in the spiritual change, showing up with his love and he gives us grace. And then God shows up in this level of change, which is our soul change and the behavior or body change. And we see that in verse two. It says, worship me with your body, present your body. But he says, do not be conformed to this world, this age, fashioned after and adapted to its external superficial customs, but be transformed or changed by the entire renewal of your mind, by its new ideals and its new attitudes. Now, pause right there. We're going to come back to the Amplified. Switch guys over to the New Living Translation version right there. Because for years I've read that and taking it simply to mean what I just said, which was God wants us to worship, us, worship him with our bodies, and we have to change the way we think. And that's not totally incorrect, but if you're not careful to read that translation as it was actually meant and wrote, it'll be incomplete. All of a sudden, it sounds very law-based. That you are responsible with your work, your effort, you're responsible to change your mind, and then God will be happy with you. If you change your mind, then you'll know the will of God. How many guys know that's back to that law-based mentality, so there must be something wrong with that. And then when you go and start reading this in different versions, and one of the ones I like the best is a New Living Translation. It says, don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you. That sounds like the right covenant. No, that's not a cop-out. Some people have a problem with that because they say, see, you're just saying we have no responsibility. I still got to have faith. My belief is my responsibility. Say that with me. My belief is my responsibility. My belief is my responsibility. That's your part. My belief. If I don't have faith, if I don't believe, nothing's going to work. But God has done all the spiritual heavy lifting. And now he's saying, I'll even change the way you think if you let me. I'll change the way you think if you let me. It says, don't copy the behaviors and customers of this world, but let God transform you. 
Transform, again, this is, this is change, right? So I was this way, and he's saying, I want to change you to this way. So the natural thing to say, when you say let God transform you, into what? Into a new person. Into a new person. Let God change you into a new person. Not the old person, but a new person. Not the old person, but a new person. There's something we're going to talk about on Sunday called a cycle of change, and that's that's basically Romans 12, 2. There's, there's this, this mental thing that translates into this physical thing, and it's ongoing forever until we see Jesus again. And, and, and what, we, what, what we can relate to better is every year, like I said, at the end of the year, we, we go through a new change process. It's like, okay, this is who I was, but what, who I was last year ain't going to be good enough for this year. And we all know in order to change and become better next year, we have to change not just what we do, but we've learned that it's by changing my mentality, the way I think. The world is now finally tapping into this scripture right here. Because many people, they start a new workout regimen or they start a new savings regimen. Uh, what's the one savings regimen? You, you, put, you put this dollar up a day and da 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 and you increase it or, or, or you got the sit-up things. If, if I do so many sit-ups or I do so many push-ups a day and da da, da. And, and, and many people try the physical stuff, but if they don't change the way they think, they last about a day or two days or maybe a week and that's it. Why? Because their transformation was not mental. They tried to transform physically without transforming mentally. And if you can't transform mentally, you'll never transform physically. But thank God, the way he worked it out for us, the believer, the Christian, is he said, I'll transform the way you live by transforming the way you think. Don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world. Don't behave like them. Let me transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Second level of change. I'll change the way you think, God says. I'll do it. Yeah. Now, what's required of me at every level of change? Faith. Faith. Do I believe he's going to do it? Yeah. Do I believe he can do it? Because yeah. many people have tried to change me and it hadn't worked. The teacher tried to change me. The professor tried to change me. My husband tried to change me. My wife tried to change me. The, uh, the counselor tried to change me. The psychiatrist tried to change me. The pastor tried to change me. Everybody tried. I tried to change me, and it just don't work. That's because you hadn't trusted and tried the Holy Ghost just yet. Because if it's one person who knows you better than you, it's your creator. The one on the inside of you who's seen everything that you've done, who's been with you through every tear and through every triumph, God knows you. And if you're willing to submit to him, then you will experience change. He says, and once you've done this, then you will learn to know. We're still in the mind. Learn to know God's will for you, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. Why do I need to know God's will for me? So I can do it. <laughs> this is a compliment to what we just read in Romans 8, 3, and 4. 
The Holy Spirit will have control of my life. Why? Because I know what he wants me to do. I'll know the will of God. I'll know what the Holy Spirit wants me to do because I let God transform my thinking. How do I do that then? I spend time with him and in his word. I spend time in prayer with him and then in his word. I have a relationship with him. I know him. Remember this whole year we were talking about knowing God. Having a relationship with God. Why? So he can change me. And I can know his will. And then I can do it. Somebody says, is, is, is that it? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, my spirit's changed. I'm saved. Grace has saved me. And that's why we had to get over that sin consciousness. And we spent so much time on that last year and this year because that was a block for a lot of people. They were like, I just can't understand why God would love me that much. But once we realized that, listen, I'm saved. Grace did a full, complete job. I'm good to go. Then it was like, well, now I'm this almost this child standing out here as a saved one. But what do I do now? How do I grow up? Let God transform you. And as he transforms you, you'll become mature. You'll grow. What does that mean? I'll grow in my confidence or in my faith. And I can trust him at different levels now. You've had this happen in your life. Some of us didn't even trust God enough to sow. We didn't, we didn't trust him. Remember, worship is whatever I do with my, my body, right? So we were worshiping him at different levels. I mean, I, I sold this dollar, I sold this five dollars, but I'm, I'm definitely not about to pay a tithe. Mm. Doesn't mean God doesn't love you. Doesn't mean I don't love him, but I don't trust him enough. And sometimes, let me balance that out. Sometimes that lack of trust was because of a lack of teaching and understanding. But the feeling was still the same. I don't believe enough to give that. Now, was God mad at you because of that? Mm -mm. Still loved you. Were you still blessed from him according to the word? Yeah. But were you mature in your understanding? And that's why your actions were not mature. But we made that real complicated. We said, oh, because you don't do this and because you don't do that, you know, you're no good uh, sinner. You don't trust it. Whoa, whoa, wait a minute. No, no, I just don't. I, I'm, just, I'm just a kid. It's like going off on a first grader because they don't know pre-cal. It's like I, don't, I, I ain't learned two plus two yet. But as I grow and as I mature, as I am transformed, I should be now trusting him and having faith at those different levels. We're talking about being practical. Not trying to say everybody all of a sudden is supposed to be like this guy who's been walking in grace and trusting God for 50 years and, and seeing all this manifestation in his or her life. It, 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 and then I look at me and I just got saved five weeks ago and I'm like, what is what does trusting God even mean? The same blessing that's available to them is also available to me, but I now need to learn so that I can trust him and I can grow. The Bible says in all that getting, get understanding. How come? Because he wants me to mature and he wants me to grow. So I need to understand his word and who he is. But I only understand by having a relationship. Try to understand your spouse without a relationship. Try to understand your kids without a relationship. Try to understand your friend without a relationship. 
relationship is, is the breeding ground for understanding. Relationship is the breeding ground for growth. It's the fertile soil that, that, that time gets planted into. And then you see a harvest of understanding come out of that. And what the devil's tried to do is have us have relationship with everything else but the spirit of God. We'll have a relationship with this phone. We'll have a relationship with those computers. We'll have a relationship with that TV. We, some of us are going steady with our car because we are going to and from work all day, every day, but we will not find and spend that time with God. Some of us, we got a relationship with food. We, uh, i got to be careful not to have a relationship with video games. Uh, we, you know, many of us, we spend all this time with something else other than him. And we'll know those things intimately. We'll understand those things very well. We'll be experts, as a matter of fact, with those things. Why? Because I have a relationship with it. How do you know you have a relationship? Because you spend time with it. When I spend time with those games, I can master them. I can do what y'all can't do because you don't probably spend time with the game I spend time with. <laughs> So I am more advanced or mature at that thing than you. Now, you may have a hobby that you do that I don't do. And so you'll be more advanced at that thing. Why? Because you spend time with it. What if we spent time with the Holy Spirit like that? The fruit. Because, we've again, we've made it real complicated. I, 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 Archie, I want to change, but, but I don't know how to spend time. with, with spend, Just start. Read the Bible and talk to them. The fruit will be revelation, understanding, because of that relationship. It's inevitable. And that's why the devil spends all that time trying to distract you. I don't want you to go into 2020 saying I want to change without upping that time you're spending with God. Yes. That time you're spending with the Holy Spirit. Again, practically speaking, that's getting into this word and spending time with him in prayer. Now understand, oh man, I think I might have to do a whole series on prayer. But <laughs> prayer is not just you sitting and then just telling him everything you need. That's no, no. It's, it's 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 spending time listening to him. Now, I'm not saying you can't worship or, or, or praise him during that time and thank him during that time and and things like that. But but you got to make sure you're listening to him. Why? Because I want to know his will. How can I know his will if I can't hear his voice? All I hear is my voice. To know his will requires me to listen to his voice. So what do I have faith in if I'm going to really stick to this second level of change? i got to have faith that his will is going to be good. His will is going to be good for me. God's will will always be good for you, even when you don't understand it. i got to have faith that his will is going to be pleasing. It's going to be enough. It's going to satisfy him. And God's will is going to be perfect. 
going to be complete. It's going to be full. It's not going to fail. It's not going to be where well, you do this and then you got to do a little more or then you got to do a little less or you got to do it again. And more. No, it's going to be perfect. What he tells you to do is going to be complete. It's going to be good. It's going to be enough. And you will see manifestation. Do you believe? This is that, that level of faith. And once you actually have faith in the will of God, won't nobody be able to stop you from spending time with him. Once you believe that he has the answer, won't nobody be able to spend time, I mean, stop you. You know, coming to churches, you know, we call this a worship service. This is evidence that you believe God. Lord, I believe you got a word for me. I want to spend more time fellowshipping with you, so I show up. It's a worship service. This whole, these whole services are designed for us to serve him, thank him, better word is honor him, with our bodies. Open up my mouth. That's why you start off a lot of times with songs, because I'm opening my mouth and I'm singing. We pray. You listen. Take notes. That body is doing something the entire service, honoring him. Saying, you're the most important thing. This is part of your relationship time. Now, this is part, part of your relationship time, but this is a corporate time where we're all coming together relate, in, in relationship with God. Then when you go home, guess what? Thank you, Holy Spirit. You do the same thing again, but on your own. Because I, I'm realizing, sometimes being safe for 40 years, I forget that I was told these things when I was a kid because I always sit in adult church and just listen to all the wonderful preachers preaching. But they told us, it was like, you, you go home and you do the same thing. Have a time of praise where you're singing to God. Have a time where you're, where you're praying and just thanking him for all the wonderful things he's already done. Then have a time where you sit down in that word and allow him to speak revelation to you. And it's okay just to have a quiet time when he's just giving you direction and understanding on what he wants you to do. And I promise you, if you're doing those things day after day after day after day, practically, somebody said, well, how do I do this? You do just what I said. You, and that's why it's so cool when you come to church. It'll give you a neat little model for what you can do at home. Yeah. And then you do it. Well, I don't know what to read. You read the scriptures we just went over. <laughs> Start there. Look at those notes. And just allow them to speak to you. I promise you, you will get revelation off the thes and the a's. <laughs> and the fours. Well, I, I've heard you preach that a million times. Just off of then. He'll preach then to you. Then is a time word. It's a promise word. It's going to happen. And you'll get revelation. And before you know it, you'll find yourself thinking differently. And then that third level of change, the first one was in your spirit. And that affects your eternal life. The second one was in your soul. That affects your everyday life for your everyday thinking. And the third one is your body or your actions, which actually is your worship, which should be your worship. You're honoring God with your body. And again, that affects your everyday living. 
to change my everyday living. I want to, I want to do something practical. I, I, I want every world changer in World Changers Houston to live a life of worship with their bodies because they've grown and they've matured in their understanding of who he is and what he's done. They already know they're saved by grace. But they say, now I'm going to develop a relationship with the Holy Spirit so that the fruit that comes out of my life is nothing short of love. Love for him and love for everybody else around me, including me. And that's what the, again, whole other series, <laughs> the fruit of the Spirit is really supposed to be all about. Because I've spent so much time with him, and he is the governor of my life. He's the controller of my life. So nothing comes out of my life that's not love. Why? Not because of me, but because of him. I've connected to the root that's changed on the inside of me. And now my fruit is totally different. How do I change? Believe and receive all that he's done. And as I do that, maturity and growth has no choice but to show up in every area of my life. So I declare growth over you. I declare increase. I declare promotion. I declare the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God will be evident like never before. I declare clarity over your life. And I speak progression for all that God has for you. In Jesus' name. If you agree with that, say amen. 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 Come on, let's give God a hand clap of praise. Amen. Well, now's a great time for us to practice what we just heard. Our giving is about worship. So what has the Holy Spirit told you to do? Here we give by text. I like what Dr. Dollar is saying right now as he's teaching uh, about giving, that it's something that we, we decide already at home. The Holy Spirit will speak to you in advance and say, hey, sow this or sow that. Tithing, you know, a lot of people get caught up in that. We're going to do some good teaching on that. But, but tithing was, I think it was 400 and something years before the law even came out. Abraham gave a tithe. So tithing is not even a part of the um, Mosaic Law. They talked about it in there, but that was something that was started way before then. So, you know, people who honor God, they tithe. But can we be real? Tithing is a mature act of worship. Why? Because, you know, many people have a hard time parting with that money because they got other stuff on their mind. I heard Pastor say something a couple of weeks ago, and I, I'm adding a little piece to it. But he said, you know, don't think about who you owe. The mature person, when they're sowing, they don't think about who they owe. But I want to add one part to it is the mature person doesn't think about who they owe. They think about who they are. I'm a believer. I'm a child of God. I walk with the Holy Spirit, and I, and I know who I am. And if his good, pleasing, perfect will for me is to tithe or to sow this or to do both, then guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to stand in who I am. I'm going to stand in faith and trust God. Because he wouldn't be telling me to do this if it wasn't going to be good for me. Amen? Amen. Father God, we just take this seed and we sow it today.
And we believe, Father God, that this act of worship is just a way of honoring you. You told us to do it, and we know it's a part of your good, pleasing, and perfect will. And so we trust in you. Amen. Holy Spirit, we thank you for giving us this direction. And we're at peace, giving cheerfully, not because we need something, but only because we're excited to honor you. And we'll be careful to give you all the glory, honor, and praise for it in Jesus' name. If you agree with that, say amen. 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 Now, I know everybody in this room is saved, but if you're out there and you're watching us uh, on the Internet and you need to invite Christ into your life, then I just want you to repeat after me. Dear Heavenly Father, I welcome you right now into my life. I believe that grace has saved me. I believe that Jesus went up on the cross and he died for my sins. Over 2,000 years ago, I was forgiven. And as a result, I am the righteousness of God. I believe it. I receive it. You are my Lord. I am born again. Father God, we thank you for that person who made that prayer. And we thank you that they are welcomed into your kingdom. And the angels are rejoicing as a result of their willingness to trust you and to believe you. Grace has saved them. Grace has changed them. They are born again. Now, if you made that prayer, then what you now need to do is find yourself a good church home. If you're in the Houston area, there's no better church than ours. So come on out and worship with us. We have a north location. We have a south location. Go online to uh, www.worldchangerschurchhouston, I believe it is, <laughs> .org. And check us out. Come and learn about grace. Come and gain an understanding so that you're empowered to change at every phase of your life. We'll welcome you with open and loving arms. Well, were you blessed today? Amen. Praise God. Father God, we thank and praise you as we leave this place. We go fully changed in your grace. Now unto him who was able to keep us from falling and present us faultless before the almighty God. To him be glory majesty, dominion, and power, both now and forever. We love you, God, and we thank you for all you've done in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, we love you guys so much. You are dismissed.